Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome back. Welcome. 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 Hey everybody, welcome back once again to the Anthony and Todd show. I'm your host Trevor and I am Vincent. And there's some big changes coming to the show here pretty soon. Uh, starting next year, we're going to try to do uh, some things different around here, specifically uh, with the podcast and the YouTube channel. But there were a couple projects that came out this year that we kind of wanted to talk about before the end of the year list came around. Uh, so consider this somewhat of your Halloween episode. <laughs> Ooh, West Side Gun is spooky. He's going to shoot you while you sleep. Fatboy Sharif has a wig on. <laughs> Is that a cryptid on the cover of Injury Reserves by the time I get to Phoenix? Who knows? No, it's just your uncle. (laughs) And he's back from Phoenix. (laughs) He brought you a (laughs) t-shirt. Why do you keep on doing the show? The show's canceled. (laughs) It's funny. (laughs) So today we're going to go through a couple of albums that have come out in the last... uh, I would say probably like two or three months uh, that we just wanted to cover again before the end of the year. So without further ado, uh, reviews of Injury Reserves by the time I get to Phoenix, the new collab tape from Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams, Gandhi Loves Children Deluxe, and the new West Side Gun uh, double feature mixtape, Hitler Wears Aramay's 8, Sincerely Adolf, and Side B. Go for it. Here's our review of the new Injury Reserve. By the time I get to Phoenix. Uh, since hearing Floss back in late 2016, Injury Reserve solidified themselves as one of my favorite groups in hip-hop, maybe in really any music genre. Paired with Live from the Dentist Office, these two projects so perfectly encapsulated what the group was all about. Richie with a T and Steppa J. Groggs both flowed and bounced off of each other so seamlessly, and as far as I was concerned... Parker Corey was one of the most talented producers out there and always knew exactly what his MCs needed. I eagerly ate up every crumb of music they put out after that, especially their self-titled debut studio album back in 2019. Needless to say, I felt like my world was rocked the day Steppa J. Groggs passed away. This album was made before the collapse of the world, but somehow it feels like it was made after. COVID, the year 2020, and the passing of Steppa J. Groggs have all come since the initial crafting of this record. By the time I get to Phoenix, is futuristic, hyperactive, apocalyptic. Apocalypse has always existed in the mind of Beholder. As we progress, the concept of apocalypse progresses too. So even though so much has happened since this album was initially created, it somehow still feels relatable because the general sense of apocalypse is always looming forward in, in the mind of the Beholder. Uh, I was shocked when Injury Reserve announced a new single and accompanying album this summer Uh, this came in the form of knees a five-minute track unlike anything else i've really ever heard before over the blaring distorted guitar samples from the black midi song sweater richie and grogs trade bars about growth both in the physical sense as well as mental growing as a group growing as people and how one stops growing taller as life goes on in the final verse grogs delivers a verse about giving up alcohol because it's literally killing him He has not been quiet about his vices in previous works either, but given the circumstances, this verse comes off as all the more harrowing. While the verses are interesting on their own, the real game changer here is Corey's production. 
trading out his upbeat jazz samples for more manic rock-based samples. The production on By the Time I Get to Phoenix is what truly drives most of the record into uncharted territory. The beats are so much more distorted, vocals are more processed, and the drums sound like they all feature animal from the Muppets. The intro outside with the paced breathing and psychedelic synths feels like a descent into the album, like you're on a train traveling down the tracks at supersonic speed where you finally reach the hyperactive chaos that is Superman That. On Superman That, it doesn't matter what drums or instrumentation lies beneath Richie's overproduced vocals, because they are so catchy and hyperactive. I think they knew they could get away with the most impossible and glitchy drums imaginable, because the vocals can stabilize any chaos. On SS San Francisco, Z-Looper's singing at the beginning is really incredible. I love how it builds up on top of Richie's vocals, then leads to his verse. He's really loose and abstract. This is the style I like most from, where he's most impossible to pin down, similar to the most hectic moments on his most recent solo album this year, Van Gogh's Left Ear. I think this version of Injury Reserve is a perfect fit for Z-Loopers, so the one feature on the album comes off as seamless and not an isolated moment. While Corey's production definitely takes center stage on this record, that's not to say that Richie's bars aren't pulling their weight. Listening to the lyrics makes it clear that Richie learned a lot from their self-titled record and is continuing that tradition. Top Picks for You sees Richie delivering a verse about algorithms and technology and how these extend into real life. While his verse was written before Grog's death, the timeliness is eerie. The algorithms still cater to Grog's even after his death, and Richie sees constant reminders of his friend, whether that be on movies on TV or music that plays. He keeps saying the train is still on schedule, as the algorithm doesn't know that Groggs isn't coming back. Richie still has things to say about the internet, however. On the opener outside, he talks about how the internet has empowered so many people to say things and act in ways they would never say or do in real life. And in Wild Wild West, he discusses how the internet that undoubtedly birthed Injury Reserve as a group and contributed to their success is now a wildly different landscape. Ground Zero, Smoke Don't Clear, and Wild Wild West remind me of people who wear tinfoil hats because they fear aliens or other electronic magnetic fields are sending them some kind of signal. The level of paranoia and insanity that comes through the performance is pretty wild. Whatever you're being told is complete nonsense regardless of whatever points or themes are presented. The setting and the tone of these performances are offsetting, so it feels like Richie is just running up to you on the street spouting conspiracy theories, especially on Wild Wild West, where he's just repeating 5G high speed. Smoke Don't Clear also reminds me of when people can say they can pick up radio signals with their dental fillings, a weird internal buzzing sub bass tone surrounded by warped and spiraling static, with the light tones of Richie whispering into the mic in the background behind the hook, give it a weird uncomfortable ASMR feeling. In the closing track, By Storm, probably my favorite on the whole album, Richie finally expresses the true pain of missing his friend and bandmate. He realizes that he can't just freeze and shut down. He needs to go on and finish the album and continue to be creative with Parker, not for his fans, but for himself. But at the end, he just keeps repeating, it's really pouring. Not only are their lyrics perfect at expressing how it feels to lose a loved one, but Parker's production is optimistic yet longing with this Brian Eno sample. It really just serves as the perfect closer. By the time I get to Phoenix, really didn't have to go as hard as it did. Not only is it a significant leap forward in the sound of hip-hop itself, but it's a painful yet cathartic tribute to Grogs. In a weird way, while I was wary of the new sound of the group was adopting, this was exactly what I needed as a fan and admirer of the group. 
Injury Reserve, I feel, is doing to rap what UK-based acts like Black Mini and Black Country New Road are doing to rock. This album is cathartic in a weird way to me. I think by expressing an acclamation of grief and trying to make sense of the madness around you, Injury Reserve is able to be relatable. This album is improv-dish, and the lack of specifics at times doesn't put a date on it, making it possible to derive your own sense to the reason behind the chaos. This album was almost like science fiction, from the warp pitch production and themes of AI and grief on top fix for you, Nice is just fuzzy waves of distorted guitars rolling past you for the full track, a level of comfort in the destruction and existentialism. By Storm has a similar comfort and fuzz, but now with an optimistic point of gratitude and feeling like you're somehow going to survive this level of chaos. In the track post-postpartum, Richie and Groggs both talk about how it's been painful to literally give birth to other rappers, meaning they're tired of having other people copy off of them, but not get the recognition they deserve for starting the trend. By the time I get to Phoenix, feels so wildly influential and different that I don't think anyone in the future will have a hard time seeing who invented the sound and who's merely copying. Ouch. Here's our thoughts on the latest Fatboy Sharif and Roper Williams record. Gandhi loves children. Deluxe. What are children deluxe? <laughs> children deluxe are just adults. They have, they have lettuce, tomato. <laughs> I was first introduced to Fatboy Sharif earlier this year when the music video for Fly Pelican appeared on my YouTube feed. I checked it out on a whim and became addicted to the song. The simple, gospel-inspired, bass-heavy beat from Roper Williams perfectly complemented very out-there verses from Sharif and the track feature YL. His name sounded really familiar until it hit me. I saw him crop up on the track Vote for Dr. Octagon from Dark of the Super and even later in the year on the new Steel Tip Dove album. Who was this guy, and why has he not been in my rotation? The answer was clearer than I expected. Fatboy Sharif is a New Jersey-based rapper who first came onto the scene with his album Gandhi Loves Children, which has since been replaced with the later and greater deluxe edition. Gandhi Loves Children is a mix of contemporary underground abstract hip-hop mixed with some elements of horrorcore. The two styles blend together pretty well and separate the lineup of tracks. For example, Fly Pelican and Murder Them are on two different tones of absurdity. Comparable to the tunnel scene in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, this weird character of Fatboy Sharif is spiraling into madness across the album. This project is a great starting point for Sharif in his career, while I feel not all tracks are created equal. I think what this project stands for and demonstrates is more than what the album coherently is at times. Fatboy and Roper work well together, but I would like to see them pace themselves better on future projects. Our first track, Tragic, is mainly just a list of various tragedies and accidents that have happened across history. Sharif cites anything from the AIDS epidemic and the crash of Flight 800 to the Chris Benoit murder-suicide or Paul Walker's tragic death in 2013. While it may come off as kind of surface-level rapping, I think this track actually perfectly sets the stage for what's to come. The same goes for I'm Buggin', where Sharif makes a, another list over an ominous piano loop, this time of super weird stuff and borderline conspiracy theories. Every couple of lines, he'll say something really off the wall, like Jeffrey Dahmer and Malcolm X are the same person, and then he just blows it off by saying, oh, I'm buggin'. The track Fly Pelican, then, is a total pivot in optimism and is definitely my favorite track on the record. 
Fly Pelican is more just an optimistic sense of spreading your wings and learning how to fly, or also finding something to ground you and keep you sane. Like, after Tragic, we learned that there's just so much tragedy in the world that you just need something to keep you grounded and sane. Uh, later on, he follows this up with the cure for moxicillin, where it's just fatboying the feature lifelong, trading lines back and forth of this very subtle bass with minimum drums every now and then at the end of the loop. The repetition and beat is understated compared to the flow and the chemistry of the two on top. The following track is one of the more fleshed out on the project. Arsenic has such a catchy hook to it and a haunting beat, basically talking about how arsenic is considered one of the most humane deadly drugs humane big time in quotation marks uh but in the end it turns out that it has a lot of really unpleasant long-lasting side effects then nasty man starts with sharif delivering this acapella intro barely able to contain himself from laughing the beat here is heavily inspired by 90s gangster rap and is downright ominous with Sharif taking on the character that's kind of reminiscent of like a trickster god in many world mythologies. This track is really the calm before the storm here. I always picture dark skies and wind when I listen to Nasty Man, with only Sharif staying calm, just delivering a hook about drinking everyone else under the table and saying, Give me some water so I can groove. It's like he knows what's in store for the rest of the album, and it's coming whether you're ready or not. Galvi goes absolutely insane with Fatboy hollering over the top of descending horror movie keys and a dollar store spooky sound CD. It's like a wild descent that leads you into murder them, which is a violent and defiant track reminiscent of something Clipping might put out. Fatboy is at an 11, screaming about killing cops in response to priest brutality, interspersed with news reports about officers dying on the job. It also ends with an old AIDS PSA and a wing Chung tonight is in the background. Don't I, I know that's Wing Chung. You can't fool me. It's this, gotta be. It's gotta be. This is really the pivoting point of the album. Everything that comes after this feels scary and abrasive. This is definitely where where the horrorcore starts, or at least the notes of horrorcore elements uh, that are contained in horrorcore come out. The jack-o'-lantern sculpture is a great follow-up because it takes the darkness and channels it into complete surrealism. None of the visuals Fatboy describes add up for me and that's kind of what I really enjoy about it. It's almost like you're now put in this unreal setting that was created after Fatboy was consumed by the darkness on Murder Them. The next track, Stigmata, is almost Lovecraftian with this European film sample at the beginning and end talking about his guardian angel and supernatural happenings. The actual beat is otherworldly, almost divine, and I definitely think it's supposed to represent an angel. Sharif's vocals in the middle then are pitched down when he comes in with his actual verse, making him sound like some really scary, otherworldly being. New Healer Warfare is the last track where the album follows through with its theming, opening with an incoming nuclear missile alert. I like how he follows up on the siren for the beginning of the track. It just isn't a separate moment. Like, he continues that momentum, that emotion, and follows through. The fear instilled by the siren is acted upon in Sharif's verse. The last three tracks, Perception, The First Man to Attain Carter, and Angel and Demons, feel short and kind of stick out. These are probably the tracks added in the deluxe version, so they necessarily 
don't follow the theming of the album and they feel like they're just kind of shoehorned in at the end. Yeah, I don't think these tracks are necessarily bad, though, but they do feel separated. Angels of Demons specifically is a fun little track with this catchy soul sample. I always think of you, with Sharif slurring his words across the beat, talking about how he sees angels and demons sometimes, speaking specifically about the movie. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, By the end of the track, he's completely lost his mind, saying stuff like, I love you, baby, in a weird voice. It just adds to this already crazy character he's established. Overall, this is an extremely well-put-together project. Sharif and Roper had a vision of what they wanted to create and executed it well. Sharif shows off his lyrical prowess and character all throughout the project, making me care about what he's saying, even though his verses are littered with non-sequiturs and nonsense. Roper's production really shines through on tracks like Murder Them and Fly Pelican, and he even shows off his great ear on tracks like Zavenstein with his chopped-up Sesame Street sample or on Angels and Demons. Fatboy Sharif really seems to be getting around, too. Just recently, he performed a concert with Darko and is on an upcoming show with Exquire. I'm very much so looking forward to what he'll put out in the future. And finally, for this episode, our views on the new West Side Gun mixtape, Hitler Wears Hermes, uh, both side A and B. After Hitler Wears Hermes 7, it felt like West Side Gun had finally hit his stride with the series, especially on tracks like Lucha Bros and Undertaker vs. Goldberg. Unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, when Hitler Wears Hermes 8, Sincerely Adolf, was announced, he revealed this would be the final entry. Luckily for fans, though, it was a double album. Side A came out with mostly Griselda members as features, as well as their typical producers involved with their work, like Camouflage Monk, Denny LaFlair, and Conductor Williams. Conductor, conductor, conductor. Conductor, conductor, we have a problem. (laughs) I have to pee. (laughs) Side B, however, has a much wider array of supporting artists and guest producers. Westside pulls through with a decent tape and a great tape. Side B is the stronger of the two and is on level with Supreme Blyantel and Hitler wears Hermes 7 it's opulent gangster rap at its finest but missing some of the stronger character moments pray for paris had westside crafts over an hour record that breezes you through drug rap wrestling bars and references to high fashion both sides though feel like gun is trying to put a spotlight on artists or ideas he's interested rather than creating a decisive westside gun project As with many West Side projects, or even Griselda projects in general, it's sometimes hard to differentiate between tracks because there's just so much material, so it's easier to talk about some specific ones that we enjoyed. Side A feels like a typical West Side Gun mixtape. Some highlights for me include Margella's Split Toes with Makami, one of Gun's favorite new collaborators. Both of them just glide over the top of this simple, muted trumpet loop, creating one of the smoothest moments on the tape. Also, at the end is an outro where this guy teaches you how to pronounce the Swish watchmaker Richard Mille. But towards the end of Side B, Gunn pronounces it wrong himself, which I think is just a really funny moment. Let's see if Vincent can pronounce it. R- Richard Miley. There we go. I said it. Yep. Yep. That's foreign. Makami and Westside continue from where they left off on Pray for Haiti, which I hope we cover soon because I really enjoyed that project earlier this year. I feel like they work really well together because they both take on a lot of pride in their work and value themselves as such. Instead of a gangster rap DNA that many Griselda collaborators share, such as Boldy James, Gun and Mock are 
united by their opulent sound. Another common collaborator, Stove God Cooks, appears on both projects with a ton of chemistry with Gunn. He has a ton of amazing performances across both tapes, especially on right now with its infectious hook and a great verse from Jadakiss. Clearly, Gunn has some admiration for the guy since he has a whopping five features on side A alone. He would definitely benefit from the Pray for Haiti treatment, getting a release on Griselda Records, putting his work more out there. I know he has a project out with Rock Barciano that he dropped last year where Rock Marciano produced the entire thing, but um, it'd be nice to see him treat in the spotlight because he's really fantastic on both sides. Uh, one of the last great moments on side A is Spoons with Conway. Once again, Conductor Williams shows his mettle as a producer, especially after killing it on Pray for Haiti. Westside and Conway just show off that classic Griselda chemistry, trading bars back and forth. The track doesn't overstay its welcome either, as can sometimes happen with Griselda tracks, and I love how Gunn just lets the instrumental play out at the end. Side B, though, is definitely the more interesting of the tapes. Hell on Earth Part 2 is the first outstanding moment here. Benny and Conway both appear here over this ominous, booming beat from Sovereign. The whole atmosphere feels like banging trash cans together. My favorite moment in here has to be the end of Gun's verse with the sample of Soon and Very Soon. And then Benny and Westside are both in top form here, but the MVP has to be Conway. He's delivering bars at this crazy rate, and at the end he's just breathless and angry. Julia Lang, while short, is a condensed, vicious moment of lucid, sleazy East Coast hip-hop. The Neon S synth sample leads to Westside Gun just hovering over the beat. The track is only amplified by the division between Julia Lang's actual phone call to Gun and the trapaholic ad-libs and producer tags. This moment contrasts with Survivor Series 95, which is a 7 minute long track and it never really progresses. This completely brings the album to a screeching halt. Problem Westside Gun has found himself in again and again and again. Too often we have tracks that have a ton of features with little progression and not enough character on top to mask the lack of progression. I think the real shame of Survivor Series 95 is that a beat like this would have served somebody like Action Bronson really well and he wouldn't have gone on for so long. I think there was just like a lot of wasted potential there specifically in the production. Uh, two of my favorite tracks on here both go back to Stove God Cooks. Uh, Ostertag sees Stove delivering one of the best verses on both sides over a drumless alchemist beat. While pleasant to listen to, it's surprisingly low-key and relaxed, allowing Stove to take full control of the room. He has nothing to fall back on and really shines here. Gunn is nowhere to be found here, though, showing more of his role as a backseat driver or curator. Then, 99 Avericks uh, once again shows Stove's surprisingly good singing. His hook here is memorable and gets stuck in my head a lot, just complimenting verses from AZ and Westside. Honestly, I think I've undervalued Stove God Cooks in the past and have come to find a newfound appreciation for him on this project. He steals the show on whatever track he's on. On a separate note... I enjoy the feeling of the fly who couldn't fly straight. Tyler injects the track with a sense of looseness that's much needed on some of Westside's extremely tightly wound tracks. The only problem is that it's too short and doesn't really tie up its loose ends well. It's a great detour in sound, but not really enough for me. Like, I want more of that feeling that Tyler brings to the table. 
outside of the music, A.A. Rashid's intros are good. I feel like he balances with the beats better this time around. He's super passionate, and it's a nice startup behind the instrumental intros. And how you start intro is the more sweet and sultry of the two, talking about how there's no end, just a new beginning. I like how it carries over to Hell on Earth Part 2. He's rolling with Griselda as he did in the start. This is how he's going to finish out the series the same way he started. To close it all out on Bye Bye, Keisha Plum does what she always does on West Saigon projects. She basically plays the part of a Greek chorus with a poem at the end of the whole project. Instead of being more of a main character send-off, she's more there to fit a tone, create an environment, or recap themes. She leads out the classiness and opulence of the tape and grounds you into a sense of reality. All in all, I think this was a very fitting end of the Hitler Wears Aramis series. On one hand, fans got uh, what we've come to expect from a West Side mixtape, especially across Side A. But on the other hand, I feel extremely lucky that we were given Side B as well. Uh, while it is longer and more of a time commitment, and I originally thought it was going to be kind of exhausting to get through, the more experimental nature of its features and producers ultimately make it a pretty rewarding listen. Gunn taking a step back from the tape allowed more room to breathe, and he could take chances on collaborators like Stove God Cooks or Tyler or Mock. While some fans may be sad to see the series go, Gunn clearly isn't done or retiring, contrary to whatever he might be tweeting. He already has such a wide catalog of material, and has made sequels to projects in the past, like Fly God is an Awesome God. I wouldn't be surprised if another series comes along to pick up the torch very, very soon. In that series, Stalin Wears Socks, <laughs> Part 1. <laughs> I can't wait. No, it's Stalin Wears Supreme. That's it. We figured yeah. it out. <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Anthony and Todd Show. We hope you enjoyed what you heard. Make sure you hope you, you stay- enjoyed this very spooky episode. <laughs> if you're still alive, that is... <laughs> Uh, make sure you stay tuned with us on social media as well as on YouTube and with the podcast. Like I said, we got some big things coming for next year, and you don't want to miss it. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Anthony and Todd. You can find me on Twitter at the Vincent Short. You can find him on Twitter at Alistair McCallis. And uh, I have I have a new album out, Layer Effects: Songs to Inspire Creativity. You can find it right now on Apple Music and Spotify. And till next time, guys, I've been Vincent. I'm Trevor. And see ya, boyos. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. 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 Thank you. Goodbye.